0: Start your day right with Viet 5 Coffee. Freshly grown coffee harvested straight from Vietnam and roasted in Chicago. Viet 5 offers rich quality tasting Vietnamese coffee straight to your soul. Visit Viet 5 Coffee in Chicago to grab a fresh cup and a bun me to go along with it. Or go to www.viet5.com and use the code in all caps V-M-N-C-H-I-V-5 to get 15% off your purchase. This show is also sponsored by Circa Pintig, which stands for the Center for Immigrant Resources and Community Arts, and Pintig meaning Pulse in the Philippinex language. Circa Pintig is a 501c3 organization that engages communities through the power of the arts to challenge injustice and transcend social change. Circa Pintig produces timely works to provide education, activation, and advocacy. For more information about upcoming events and to learn about how to get involved, visit www.circapintig.org which is spelled C-I-R-C-A-P-I-N-T-I-G dot org or follow them on YouTube Facebook at circapintig, or on Instagram at circapintig Theater Hi everyone welcome to the Bunmi Chronicles podcast this is Randy Kim host and creator of this podcast. For the eighth season, we are doing the theme, A Hero Comes Along. For this week's episode, my good friend and former guest on the show, Nisha Modi, steps in for me as a guest host and chats with Fiza Parani, the founder of Foreign Bodies, an award-winning newsletter on immigrant mental health. Hear them both discuss the meaning of immigrant mental health and what it means for our Asian communities who are navigating the slippery slopes. Hope you enjoy this episode and thank you.
1: Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Me Chronicles. Uh, My name is Nisha Modi and I am a guest host for today's episode. Thank you so much to Randy for inviting me and having me. Um, For those of you that don't know, I'm a feminist healing. I'm going to start that over. For those of you that don't know, I'm a feminist healing and life coach, writer and speaker. Um, My work explores the intersections of anti-oppression, intergenerational healing and relating. I'm really passionate about making spaces relational, meaningful, and delightful. You can find me on Instagram at Healing Hype Girl and at my website at www.nishaland.com. And today, I'm super excited um, to have our guest, Fiza Pirani, on the show. Fiza is an Atlanta-based freelance writer and editor and the founder of Foreign Bodies, an award-winning newsletter on immigrant mental health. She is also currently an MFA student in the University of Georgia's narrative nonfiction program and is slowly working on what is shaping up to be a book project. In her free time, Fizza loves to dabble in painting, read memoirs and novels, and write alongside her always sleepy rescue mutt and kitty. Welcome, Fizza. It's wonderful to have you on the show today.
2: It's so nice to be here.
1: Yeah, so um, Fizza and I were just talking about how we know each other and um, (laughs) I think the first entry point was some writing groups we were a part of, but we really connected because of your newsletter, Foreign Bodies. Is that right?
2: I believe so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, I thought that would be a really cool place to start, you know, this award-winning newsletter about immigrant mental health. I think when I saw it, I was just like, oh, this is such an important topic, you know, We aren't really talking about that. I think now, like, I'm seeing a lot more conversations as part because of publications like yours. So, tell me more about how it got started, um, what your mission is with the newsletter, and anything else you'd like to add.
2: Yeah. So, um, I would say it started around 2017, 2018. Um, I was still a full time uh, reporter at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Um, And while I was there, I, you know, was trying to, get more coverage on immigrant communities um, that, you know, didn't center on um, the news of the moment um, and just kind of, you know, built, started to build some kind of like audience media relationship where the community knows to look to us. But I feel like I wasn't super successful. And I mean, there's so many factors at play there Um, when you're working in a newsroom and you are one of the few people of color around in the south. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I I am an immigrant, I um, have lived with depression for a long time, including um, like suicidal ideation, um, just content worrying for everyone out there. Um, So, you know, I, I heard about this reporting fellowship with the Carter Center. um, And it was specifically for mental health journalism. And I just, I definitely had like a personal, um, I was going through things personally that, and that did influence like my decision to apply. Um, and so the reporting fellowship is generally like a one year program where you, you know, choose a subject and you dive into it. And usually the folks that apply are part of um, a newsroom somewhere around uh, the world, and so when I pitched the project, uh, I wasn't sure, you know, exactly what it would end up looking like. I, I think the traditional route would be um, publishing a few articles for my newspaper um, on the subject of immigrant mental health. Um, I felt like that was doing the subject a total disservice. I realized pretty quickly once I started interviewing um, folks around metro Atlanta region which I don't know if you're aware but Clarkston which is um, in uh, around Decap County Georgia is one of the most like diverse strips of um, like immigrants in America and you know I spent a lot of my time there uh, just hanging out at you know the coffee shop and like around like the clinics and just kind of just sitting there and waiting to talk to people and just getting to know the community. Um, And I quickly realized that it's, these aren't people who are gonna pick up the paper and just read an article on immigrant mental health. Mm. What they're searching for is a place to talk about things. And I went to this one summit that the Clarkston Health Community Center was having um and they had these like breakout sessions where we talked about the issues that are affecting the community and I mean it was it became very apparent that they just had a lot that they needed to get off their chest and that process of just going around the room and it was I mean a packed room of like 60 people people going around and telling their like really personal you know um trials and tribulations and just that act of like telling like they were surprised at how they have never done it before and i think the Mm. fact and i think we all i mean especially you 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 know the power of storytelling Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and how you don't even realize how powerful it is until you give someone a chance to tell their story because I mean, as a reporter um, who has done the traditional work, you know, when you talk to people in crisis, these aren't people that are normally being asked the questions that you're asking them. Mm
0: -hmm. So having
2: to like reflect on, you know, these like pretty intimate personal questions is not commonplace the way that it might be for you and me where we are just maybe naturally a little bit more reflective. Mm-hmm. And so having to be kind of like almost forced to think about, you know, what's affecting you and how can we improve um, from here on out um, is like the act of storytelling and just like having to reflect on that is, I think, like what I felt like was missing in that space of immigrant mental health. Um, obviously, there are so many factors Um, with, you know, health insurance and stigma. I mean, just so many factors. But I did feel like a few articles in a newspaper about the subject just would not do it justice. And I definitely felt like there were so many varied topics. Immigrant is such a huge umbrella. I mean, you have Mm. like several generations, you have several regions of the world. Um, It's impossible to be like, oh, yeah, this affects all immigrants. Like, there's, it's, there's, it's too, um what's the word? uh Is it diminutive? Just like very, it's just not, it doesn't do it justice, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I, I felt like some kind of format where we're going back to topics again and again, and, you know, expanding and learning new, and honestly, I, some kind of, like, media format that Felt a little bit more intimate um, than a newspaper <laughs> um I felt like would be the perfect kind of uh you know format for something like that and at that time like newsletters were starting up it was pretty it wasn't like as commonplace as it is right now um, and you know I wanted to play around and it was a little bit of a point of contention I think with the newsroom um because I wanted to be really candid in the work that I was doing because I knew that like to reach the audience that I needed to reach for this, it became more of a service oriented thing and less maybe like traditional reporting. Mm -hmm. And so when you do something like that, you do have to think about how the audience that you're trying to reach will, you know, how are they going to consume or perceive the information that you put out? And so, um, I knew that if I did start some kind of like newsletter, it would have to be more candid. It would have to be less, you know, uh, straightforward Western traditional reporting style. And um, that did take me a while to kind of like convince them to let me do. Um, but I just I just knew it had to be, it couldn't be a newspaper. Um, and so that's kind of how it was born. Um, I started digging into like just different topics um, and I think the first one that I ever had was like published in um, like around the holidays of 2018 and it was on seasonal depression and it you know Mm -hmm. it's a very blanket topic but it centered a South Asian woman and so that wasn't even around like the mental health, like news world, like centering the stories of immigrants or the stories of diaspora is increasingly becoming popular. But at that time, not at all. It was, um, I mean, most of the stories that mental health didn't center um, non-white stories. And a lot of that is because we don't have access to that. We don't have access to the intimacy of allowing them to open their hearts to us as reporters. And I think, I hope that foreign bodies has hopefully encouraged more people to talk to me or talk to um, you know whoever um, about these subjects that we just don't see um, or we didn't see a few years ago in mainstream media.
1: Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for that backstory. I had no idea. I think I, I did remember that there was a fellowship involved, um, mm-hmm. but just I love how you gotten there with the community to see what they needed um Mm -hmm. and that's how this came about because I think that community orientation to what you created really answered um or addressed I should say maybe the the questions um and needs of the community because like you said yeah immigrant mental health it might sound specific but it is broad right there's so many different places people are from yeah so So yeah, I love how um, I had no idea that, you know, you had gone into the community, you gone into the community, and then you created a community, too.
2: (laughs) It was absolutely an experiment. um, In the beginning, I would say, like, for the first, like, you know, few months, I was kind of um, having, like, close friends read it, and like, you know, fellow colleagues and like my family, because I mean, when you start off something like that, I mean, there's no way I thought it would still be going (laughs) like a few Mm -hmm. years years later um I really just needed a place to start a conversation Mm -hmm. um and you know I'm really I'm I mean I'm so happy with like just like people being able to email me every time they read something and just feeling like they have like you know like the line is open um and it's available and even if like I'm not available to like I'm not a therapist, you know, but I can guide Mm -hmm. you because I am a resource um, out there, you know, I can help you in that way. But yeah, it was a total, I mean, definitely not something, you know, it's not like a publication that was planned out and like had a launch or anything like that. It was really like, this is what I feel like people have questions about. So let's just put it in a digital space and see what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I love how it started with that experimental quality. I think that's really, really cool to see what can come from that. Um, So if someone were to subscribe to foreign bodies and I'd actually love to hear um, how you came up with the name. Um, But if they were to subscribe, um, what would they expect to see?
2: Oh, so uh... It's um, ever-changing, <laughs> the answer to that. Um, I think one thing to be mindful of is, I think because it's a one-woman show and because I am trying to gauge what I can balance on my own, um, the answer is going to be changing. But what I feel like the you know essence of it is if you're itching for stories and perspectives and even like news um that touches on the subject that's probably a resource that you can go to i think sorry i'm like kind of scrambling to answer that um
0: so okay. i think like,
2: you know i published these larger issues um, that dig into a specific subject. So for example, and this is, I mean, there's so many, but there was one um, issue that, I, you know, I, I talked about like what to do when your parents don't believe um, in depression and like when you confront them um, about, you know, your, like the feelings that you're having when you're, they're kind of, you know, just. Um, shrugged off and what to do in that situation. And so for that issue, for example, I did send her um, a Canadian immigrant woman, I believe, or no, she was American, (laughs) American immigrant woman. And um, she, you know, talked to me about her experience. I believe she was from um, Pakistan. And um, she you know was very honest with her storytelling and what I did was kind of work with her on creating a like a first person perspective Um, and a lot of the people that I work with they're not necessarily storytellers by nature so they might not be from like the media industry but I kind of worked with them to create like an essay that they feel comfortable with sharing and putting out in the world And then in an issue like that, um, I would also speak to a psychiatrist or some kind of expert Mm -hmm. in the field um, to ask for, you know, more concrete um, guidance and more, you know, definitely everything that you see in foreign bodies is going to be Mm -hmm. evidence-based as much as personal narrative is, you know, the guiding force. It has to be backed by, um, sorry, if you hear my dog, let me know, um, <laughs> um, everything has to be backed by, um, you know, factual evidence. That's the thing about being from a journalism background. Um, and so that's like an example of one of the larger issues. but I think the I think the reason that people mostly subscribe to foreign bodies is the like bi-weekly um, newsletter that I put out. Um, So in those newsletters, you know, I kind of top it off with a little update, just a casual conversational, you know, um, message to reinforce the fact that this is a community, this is me talking to you in your inbox, you know, as crowded as it may seem like it's, um, I want to make sure that that line of communication remains as intimate, no matter, you know, I have, if I have five subscribers or like 100 or whatever. Um, And so... I start off with that and then I usually go into a few storytelling opportunities. And so that's, again, to encourage the folks that are reading my newsletter, you know, if they see something that is of interest, they should just go for it. Um, and I really do believe like no one knows how to get involved in the world of publishing and freelance unless they've like been in this game for a while. And so I I hope that like adding those opportunities is, um, You know useful (laughs) for a lot of folks um and then of course i include like personal stories um essays poetry anything that centers um intimate vulnerable storytelling um by immigrants or um second gens and third gens just again the blanket term of immigrant that just is someone that has some kind of movement i feel like Mm -hmm. in their lives um and yeah and then include news and of course like uh i try to include some um latest research for we have a lot of um a lot of like psychiatrists following us um that and when i say us i do just mean me but like <laughs> <laughs> i have a lot of like, psychiatrists um who are subscribed to psychiatrists and academics that are subscribed to foreign bodies that um will often uh, look at the latest research that I include in the newsletter um, about, let's say, like there's, um, you know, new research on Asian American women um, migrants in Canada and postpartum um, diagnosis, depression diagnoses. And so, like, it, it will be very like niche, uh, you know, subject areas. But I try to, you know, read up on as much research as I possibly can for the newsletter. Um, but yeah, I think like those like roundups of like just media that I have consumed around the subject um, are what um, most subscribers tend to respond to most.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always loved how holistic I guess it felt in that there was the personal narrative, there was the um, latest news like an updates and um and information that was evidence-based. And I think I've liked how, um, yeah, holistic, I guess is the word that keeps coming to my mind for that. Um, Yeah, so how, uh, go ahead.
2: Okay. Um, I think one of the coolest things that I've been able to do with foreign bodies is work with like immigrant authors. And I have like a whole like backlog of authors that I need to um, work with this year that just got away from me, honestly, pandemic really like for everyone, you know, shifted a lot of um, internal gears. Um, And so um, the coolest, one of the coolest things that I've been able to do is talk to um, immigrant authors and work with them on um, like sending books to readers. Um, And I do these like book giveaways and have like the authors write like a little personal note to them. And I mean, and these authors are definitely, I know very probably going to talk about heroes later but you know um storytellers in general are heroes to me um and you know getting to work with like Min Jin Lee who wrote Pachinko and um just S. Wang who wrote The Collective Schizophrenia there's just so many so many writers who have um really written beautifully about um migrant experience the mental health experience and everything that collides with those again very umbrella topics um and yeah i think that's been a really cool thing i've been able to do with the newsletter and i'm so grateful
1: yeah that's so great it sounds like there's a lot of different i guess community touch points like creating community with immigrant authors themselves Mm -hmm. and also the people who are reading the newsletter as well. How have you seen the community in both of those or even more aspects develop um, or shift or even stay the same over time?
2: My favorite thing, um, my favorite shifts that I've seen are people who um, were early subscribers and then would tell me that they have an essay published <laughs> and they've never really written um, anything before. Um, that is... I don't know if like part of me wants to be like a writing teacher or what, but (laughs) it's so exciting to be a creative writing teacher in particular, but, um, it's just, it's so beautiful to see somebody feel empowered to put themselves out there. It is so scary to put yourself out there, even in this like world of like, you know, we're all online, um, writing is a different ball game sometimes, (laughs) it's, it's, it is, um, I mean, those are words that are printed, you know, forever. (laughs) And so um, I think that's been the most amazing thing. Obviously, just like the growth and like seeing um, media cover foreign bodies and having, oh, I had like a university, um, I believe it was in Portland, but they um, had reached out to me to see if we could do like a bulk subscription for their international students and I oh, thought that was incredible I mean I think things like that just like reaching these like audiences or like people that would not normally or like organically um enter the writing world or the personal storytelling world um and seeing them feel empowered in so many different ways I mean just getting emails about people telling me that they spoke to their parents or they had their first therapy appointment like Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing like it
1: (laughs) yeah and i can definitely see how having this community in this newsletter as compared to what you were talking about having like a newspaper allowed Mm -hmm. for that that space and for people to say like hey i'm this is like the first thing i wrote like what do you think you know i feel like it allows for that different feel yeah
2: Yeah, it's definitely like, um, I think like back in the day, if, if there were like, you know, columnists where, um, I mean, there are columnists still, but like where you have that pretty intimate relationship with a columnist, you can just call them up, you know, when you have a question, you read that, read their um, column in the paper or something. It's not something that happens as much anymore, just with the access um, that digital gives. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's very, um, it's very rewarding. And I think, one of the best things I, about something like this that did start off so experimental that is so focused on um, grace is that everyone who subscribes gives me grace. Mm. <laughs> you know, I I am one human being and the, the amount that I've put out with the newsletter has changed so much. I mean, it used to be a lot more, granted, I had you know, funding from the Carter Center while I was um, starting off. Um, But having to have it self sustain is a whole other ballgame, especially once I left the newsroom to do uh, freelance work full time. Um, You know, it was really about rethinking, what do I do with foreign bodies if I can't financially support it on my own? Mm -hmm. Um, And so just the decision to even have to go paid. And I mean, you can still access, um, the bigger issues, um, for free, but just the decision to go paid, I think was really difficult for me because I, I wish everything was free, Mm -hmm, but it's, it's just one of those things where like, um, I also feel like we should all be, you know, paid what we, um, work on, paid for what we work on. So that's, that's a different, um, subject, but it was like a tough decision. But even since then, since I did go paid a few years ago, um, I think the way that, you know, if I'm having a bad week, mentally, or whatever, and I just say, I need a break, like, I'll be back next week, or something like that. I mean, the grace that the readers show just, I think, it just makes me feel like this isn't just a publication out there Mm. it really does feel like like these are my friends (laughs) um you know we can kind of like depend on each other and I mean I honestly have made really really good friends through the newsletter that you know live all over the country that I will randomly meet up with (laughs) and it's I mean how powerful is that you know I mean I think that's like what social media was maybe designed for in the beginning
1: (laughs) yeah right yeah. No, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think it's beautiful to be an example of what you're trying to talk about in the, <laughs> news- in the, in the newsletter. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to talk a lot about, um, you know, how to make spaces more relational than transactional. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is a relational space where people are giving you grace, where, you know, it's not just saying like, this is supposed to come to my inbox. So that is that is it. You have betrayed yeah. me if you do not. Right. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I really, I'll have like
2: a friend text me and be like, Hey, like, is everything okay? I didn't see the newsletter. And I was like, Oh, sorry. I honestly, like my brain has been so off that like, how did I not, it was like 9.00 AM. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, I need to send it (laughs) publish. It's like, it's like, I just need to like make that, you know, like just publish, like click the publish button. And sometimes again, like work life happens and you just kind of again we're human right
1: so yeah exactly um yeah i love that the the community aspect, it being relational, all that sounds like really, really beautiful for, for what you've created and put out in the world. And speaking of like work, life, all that, I know you are in an MFA program now. Um, I'd love to hear more about your work outside of Forum Bodies, um, what you write. Um, I know you're working on this book project. Would love to hear more about that as well. So please do share about your journey as a writer.
2: Ooh, my journey as a writer. Um, god so this would be like the first time I really talk about um the book project and um I, I it's very early stages right now I will say that um I have been I think writing working on scenes and so you know I um have a very I think my, my life story is um, something that I know that needs to be put on paper, documented in some way, and not just my life, but like my parents and my grandparents. And I think that's just like a documenter in me that I've always been. Um, but, you know, essentially, I was, I was born in India, um, quickly migrated to Saudi Arabia when I was a kid, like an infant, um, and then lived in Saudi Arabia for a while, came to America, lived all over the States. Um, and went to like 12 different schools before high school Um, and so movement is my constant you know it's like that's my um, default and so I think like my entire life I've always been craving the opposite I've been craving like just to feel grounded Mm. Um, and like I never I always had a really hard time relating to like the little ground. I didn't, uh, it was really hard for me to understand like the um, aspect of borders and being, you know, having these boundaries around me and how just stepping foot on one side of it, everything is different. It's just, I have always had a very difficult time um, finding, you know, that belonging and that community and that mm-hmm. just sense of stillness. Um and so my book, um, and again, like I'm so hesitant to say book, I'm gonna say book project, um, because <laughs> it's just a scary thing to say. Um I my family and I are very close, but I think growing up we um, you know, weren't didn't have like, the traditional life where I'd come home from school and like someone would be there um my parents were constantly working um they were physicians back home and in Saudi Arabia but then just had to kind of restart from the bottom um once we got to america and that took mm-hmm. about like over a decade and so a lot of the time you know they were working like um night shifts in like fast food industry and just like things like that just to like kind of make sure we had like you know food on the table and slowly kind of inching their way to see where the opportunities were for them to get back into medicine um so it was a lot of um like not really having them around and so the times that we would like get really close would be in a van (laughs) like going from one place to the other whether it's like from state to state or city to city migration or like just us accompanying them on, you know, selling Coca-Cola and phone cards to, um, bodegas across New York and just being in the van with them after school or like on the weekends, that's how we got really close. And so this, um, book project kind of starts off the way that it's starting off is scenes from the van throughout my life. And, um, just the way that, um, my, Father's relationship with me has changed. And I feel like that's all I can really say at this point. It's a lot, of course, it's very complicated. And um, I think just writing out scenes from my life from when I was like, you know, like seven to now and seeing how much things have changed in the conversations and the tension from those car rides and the love from the conversations that are born from those car rides. Those mm. are been what have made my, I think my family so close. And it's interesting that it was all movement. It was all involving that constant direction wherever we we're going. And um with my dad in the driver's seat, you know, and mm. it just seeing things shift um to me <laughs> as a 31 year old who hates driving. <laughs> <and> <laughs> literally you will avoid the car at all costs. And um, yeah, and it, it's a lot. There's a lot to dig into. But at this point, that's um, what it's looking like.
1: <laughs> that is so cool. I'm just like my visual like feel just went to just like this scene like in this van, you know, like that you're talking about. <laughs> and, you know, and I feel like it's something that's so relatable because I think so many of us have um, had like family trips, you know, and, yeah. um, even, uh, the South, uh, SADA, the South Asian American digital, I yeah. think that, they have like that road trip section. Um, oh, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. That like reminded me of that too. So, you know, and one thing that you said that, um, kind of, um, got my antenna raised a little bit because I have a blog called your healing story is a love story. And I really loved how you talked about how, there was tension during these rides, but the rides, but there were also love, there was also love born through these rides. And I really think that's like so special. Um, It's something I've been reflecting a lot about myself with my relationship, especially with my mom, which is something I write about a lot and reference a lot. Um, I don't know if you could, I know you said like, generally that's what you could share about the book, but if you, I would love to hear maybe a little more about that, like kind of the tension yet the love that kind of, you know, sounds like either coexisted or have one happened from the other, or maybe it was a perspective. I'd love to hear more about that.
2: Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I think the what I'm thinking of when I say that is like the different scenes that I remember um, experiencing. So like, for example, tension. Um, my dad and I, it was pretty rare that we would be in the band, just us together. And so I remember this one ride, um, and me and him are very similar. And that's probably why we butt heads. Um, and mm-hmm. we were, I think, really, really close. I mean, you know, I was a total daddy's girl, like my whole life. And then I became a teenager. Um, <laughs> and then it was really, I think, hard for him to confront the fact that I have different thoughts or, you know, different ideas of what I want to be. And just, I think, what a lot of parents deal with. Um and a lot of children um and I remember writing about this one scene where um me and him are in the car in the van alone and he was picking me up from school or something um because we had gotten out early and um it was a really quiet ride and usually we would have some kind of like Bollywood music playing um <laughs> and you know it was like they'll say or like something like really good <laughs> and we would always have that playing but it was like he just didn't really bother putting anything on and so it was a pretty like um you know the air was thick and um <laughs> we, I didn't really realize um how to confront it, but um, I just stayed silent because I I just didn't know how to interact with my dad at that age after we had been kind of starting to fall, you know, a little bit fall apart and just Mm -hmm. um, start distancing. But we parked in the garage once we got home and he still wouldn't, like he wouldn't get out of the van. And I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, I realized like I probably should, Ask him what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It became like not awkward, but more like uh, worrisome. Um, and at that point, um, I said, "You know, like what's going on? Like, are you okay?" And he just said my mom's name and started crying. And um, I didn't. I, I I put a few pieces together, but uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer at that time Mm -hmm. and um he didn't know how to talk about it and I think just the tension leading up to that ride and sitting in the garage and having him become like just totally like just a puddle um I Mm -hmm. had never seen that kind of vulnerability from him he's a very sensitive guy but like he just doesn't show um the vulnerability to me as much as maybe he used to or he wishes he could maybe um, but like seeing him um lead up to that and just kind of fall into my arms like across the um the center console it was I, I don't know like a scene that I don't think I'll ever forget um I think it opened up a huge connection or a huge line for us to like start being more, more vulnerable with each other but um that's like one thing when tension you know leading up to love that I'm thinking of but like another one um that was like purely love um I my brother and I uh lived in Houston for a year without my my parents and um I'll that's a long story but uh It was like the hardest decision I think we made as a family, but it was to help my dad um, have some time to study for the exams for the USM for the step exams. um, And not have to worry about, you know, like financially supporting us at that point, and so uh, we had come back uh, from Houston to live with our parents again, and you know we had always lived in like a one bedroom apartment um and my dad picked us up from the airport and he's like oh we have to stop by my uncle's house um first or some uncle's house and I was like okay like whatever (laughs) like Mm -hmm. we'll go to this uncle's house um and we go there and it's such a long drive from the airport and you know there's Bollywood music playing of course um I want to say it was like there or something Mm -hmm. um and you know um we get to this like driveway and it's, I mean, the whole neighborhood was like, it felt like another world. Like I was, I i wasn't used to houses like um, mm-hmm. at all. And so uh, it was just weird to me, like, oh, there's so much space between them. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't like that. Um, and so we got to this house and my dad um, is like ringing the doorbell um, and I'm like, you know, annoyed, like, can we go, like, Mm -hmm. we go home I'm tired um and um you know I look around for a second and then I notice that the door is open and I'm like okay finally like they got the door open my parents um so you walk in and then I see like all my furniture there and like my Mm. bed like there's my floral bedding that I've had forever like my puppy calendar on the wall in like one of the rooms and it was just like one of those things where like we just cried for like two hours (laughs) because I don't think we ever imagined that like we would be living in a house I don't know what I mean like I don't I think like it wasn't something that we really thought of like it, it I don't know how to explain it but it was it was just like my dad was so excited for this little surprise or huge surprise that he just like for like an hour and a half from the airport just like was like bobbing along to like this Bollywood music and just like like we had no idea what to expect and it was just like the most I don't know he's such a like playful guy and I think that ride was just I'll never forget that.
1: Yeah, that's so sweet, especially after being away and like having yeah, exactly. to make that sacrifice. Yeah, yeah I that's...
2: think it, it was like his way of being like, look, like it was worth it, you know? yeah. Like,
1: yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So it was, yeah.
1: Wow, that's, that's super sweet. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I find I hear so much vulnerability and love and joy, really in those stories. And, and also, I feel like such a testament on, on a lot of levels to, you know, I don't want to say the immigrant experience, experience mm. it's not one, but like, yeah. little nuggets that 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 talk about that, especially with your parents having to start over with their medical education. I've heard that Mm -hmm. from other folks too. It's like they were doctors in, um, whatever their native country was and here, it's just like not recognized at all, you know, and, um, the struggle that, the struggle that comes with that, that it's like the, you know, but then there's this fruitfulness and this love and this joy as well.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting to see how like things are going now that like, you know, my grandparents are really aged and, um, having to see like you know, they're saying that their kids have, their labors have been, you know, come to fruition. But I think what happens is like, after you do the surviving, like, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, are you happy? And I think those questions are now Mm -hmm. the ones that are being asked of that generation, of my parents' parents' generation. Um, Now that they're here, they see that their kids are good. You know, Mm -hmm. they're like, we have, you know, X, Y, Z amount of time left. What do we, you know, like, what do we do to, make our life for like more fulfilling and I think that is something that we're kind of contending with as a family to understand you know like Mm. it's not just about the roof over your head anymore um once you have that and so I think you know there's a lot of like um seeing my dad feeling like a a lot of like symptoms of depression lately and just like um watching his parents age and you know Mm. seeing them not necessarily totally happy I mean my parents got my parents have like this mansion now that they imagine every elderly family that's ever helped us would live in one day Mm. um that's like been my dad's dream like the pirani house um and (laughs) you know I think we're realizing though that like um our elderly like need more than just like a roof you know and like they need a little bit more sense of independence and things like that that are a little bit hard to I think uh contend with in our culture um because I grow up like growing up here in America for the most part when I think of myself at that age like I want to be in community you know and I think like when you migrate here and you see your children succeed and everything um being in a nice house doesn't cut it anymore um they want what we get to have and (laughs) the independence of um just living a life that is not necessarily what everyone expects and so it's it's been interesting to see um things change in recent years and I'm wondering how to even address that in this project or maybe a future project or something like that but um yeah it's it's complicated man to see like just like how the effects of like one decision
1: to move, you know mm. like rippling, it's just, yeah, I yeah, I think you know, in the intention of it to have like a quote unquote better life, I feel like that's so you know something so many um immigrants and children of immigrants hear a lot, right, yeah. and um so like then you have the better life now, what? You know, and um, I feel like we could have a whole nother episode. I mean, I relate to this so much, you know, with my mom, where it's like, okay, now you have what you worked for. And it's kind of really hard for her, my mom, at least to, you know, know what's next because she's been so conditioned to just keep surviving. Um, So it's so also beautiful, though, to hear that it's like you know, like having this elder house, that's like, so beautiful and cute. I love it. And and in a way, it's almost like going back to a lot of communities that Mm -hmm. I feel like existed in in so many lands and so many native lands. When all that material stuff didn't matter as much. And I'm not trying to romanticize it because I know that there's a lot of hardship there of course, too, first, yeah. but it, it, it goes to show that like the community aspect really, um, I don't know, it just warms up our hearts and makes us feel yeah. connected to each other. And I, think, yeah. I think
2: that's why it's a little bit tough for my dad. Um, because my grandparents aren't necessarily or specifically my grandfather who had been independent his whole life. um, mm have him being dependent on his kids um and I think that is again something that happens naturally in so many, like everyone um but I think like seeing that they're not necessarily happy I think if we had like you know a bunch of elders in the house it would be different but when it's just your grandparents and your parent, you know their kids are working all the time like it's not like you feel that community that yeah. uh, maybe like you imagined uh so yeah it's it's interesting and it's um just the the whole discussion about like you know needing to survive I mean my dad is still like on this like I feel like he's still like, you know, the movement is still happening. Like he's still like, Mm. like addicted to like moving. And, um, Mm. that's literally like every day, like he'll go on like an 80 minute walk, which I look, I love walking, but like, it's (laughs) almost like an addiction for him. Um, and not only that, I mean, you know, they, I mean, I'm so grateful, like, but they, they, they have four clinics now, like what, I don't Mm. even know how, and it's like multiplied to four clinics that they own and run across the state and my dad still wants to do more and my mom is like what <laughs> And I just read my book <laughs> and I feel like you know just like and I'm I'm a very I mean the fact that I decided to like save up to buy a house in Georgia which when I was a teenager I didn't imagine ever like living in here which I mean I love Atlanta so much but like you know the like I almost have like this opposite need for like staying still and um Mm -hmm. it's I think that's something that like um I I want my dad to feel like I feel like he's just been Mm -hmm. running for so long and Mm -hmm. it's 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 exhausting to see and I'm sure to be like so
1: like yeah um, yeah Ooh, yeah. Like I said, People I'm like I can, we can have a whole other like episode I know, of that. Yeah, I It's like that is that is very real. It's like constantly feeling like there's something else or there needs to be yeah. like, something else. I but yeah,
2: be, like, happy with like a little bit, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah. And I love like the the visual and like almost metaphor of like I'm just gonna sit here and read this book and try to stay still that you have yeah. as like a reaction or response. To um, all of that, all of that moving. Um, And it actually also reminds me that you started a book talk. Is this right?
2: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about that. I think, okay, look, I love TikTok. I didn't even realize anything about it until the pandemic and I was like you know let me just download this app that the young children are using these days <laughs> um and I I mean I know people say it takes a while for your like algorithm to really like you know find you and um for it to be an enjoyable experience but oh my god I love it I think like book talk especially I mean first of all I there's such a so much missing on book talk and mainstream Mm -hmm. book talk it is like it's almost like the same things that you see you know like the same creators same um books that you see so often but then when you find like an account that's like I think there's like one that's like on sapphic lit and like they're just like seeing like the diversity like pop in um in recent years (laughs) um has been really cool and I want to be part of it and I I mean I love books whom none of my friends want to hear me talk about books all the time okay (laughs) like and that's fine like that's that's expected I probably don't want them to talk about their job all the time (laughs) um so you know it's it's such a I've heard such great things about the book talk community and just um again community um you know finding people with like like like-minded interests um and yeah, I don't know. It seems fun. Like I'm excited. And I'm sure like it, I like seeing um, debut authors also having book talks and stuff. Like She's Ukrainian immigrant. Um, I think second gen, I may be wrong. She may be first gen, but she just came out with a novel called All All Night Pharmacy. And um, I had been following her book talk um, for a while and seeing her with her debut. I made sure I got an advanced reader copy. I love the book, but it's like, I think it's a great way for writers to connect to. And again, like another way to inspire you to write.
1: Yeah, I love it. I feel like it's a different way. um, Just because you have like, you have foreign bodies. And now this is a way to express (laughs) it. You know, the storytelling from a different medium for especially to highlight um, authors that might not be highlighted as much.
2: Yeah, and um, I mean, just the audience, like uh, Gen Z is um, probably not subscribing to newsletters the same way that millennials Mm. and um, older generations are. So um, it's also just, you know, I mean, I don't know that much, or I'm trying to learn more about the Gen Z immigrant experience too, you know, so um, that's always good to be. It's always good to, you know, make sure you have your ears um, where... The world is changing and, you know, you should always be kind of on top of things, I think, if you're in the industry that I'm in, especially.
1: <laughs> sure. No, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. Um, yeah. And I've just loved how we've I feel like we've gone on this journey of like your foreign bodies newsletter to your own writing experience and your own experience with your family, as well as, you know, reaching a new audience through book talk, yeah. which, you know, all, all of which are, are needed. Right. It kind of goes back to that. Um, storytelling through like a holistic lens.
2: Right?
1: Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. This has been really, really um, just wonderful to hear these different projects that you have and the impact that it's obviously made, even in you know, it's interesting, even you know, I think you said 2017, you started foreign bodies. Is that right?
2: Like, uh, yeah, 20, 2017, 2018, around then.
1: Yeah, it's amazing to see not just the impact you've made, but also how I feel like it's open doors for so many other people to tell their stories, you know, um, in four or five years, you know. So that's I think super um just encouraging, you know, to that's see that. Passion. Yeah, right. Like to see like that. It's the fact that it is more common now. Yay, that's awesome, you know. Um <laughs> and I know you talked earlier about um For foreign bodies, like interviewing authors, like those are some of your heroes. So I would love, as the theme of this season, is a hero comes along. Thanks to um, wonderful Mariah Carey. um, If you wanted to expand on that, or who is a hero on your life in your life, like what does that mean for you?
2: Yeah, so um, heroes. uh, (laughs) I was asking myself this question the other day because it is such a tough question, and I don't think I have like. a simple answer to like, who is my hero? I think a hero is, um, it's complicated, because I, it's hard to put somebody on a pedestal, um, like a human being on a pedestal Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Knowing that, you know, we are all flawed in so many different ways. Um, There's no such thing as perfection. I think understanding that hero doesn't mean that they're, you know, perfect in all ways. Um, I think I have heroes in different kinds of ways so for example um there are some people in my life that I would say are really incredible at um, encouraging me to be more vulnerable with them and in a sense like they are heroes for me in that way because as um you know open it may seem as open as it may seem I am it is Honestly, I do have um, walls up like a lot of people in my personal relationships. And so um, I think anyone who is able to, um, you know, use their intuition and try to, you know, use that like empathy in them to understand how people are feeling, that's a heroic act to me um of course there are writers that I admire um hero again is such a tough term so tough <laughs> word. like you know I think of like just um writers that have like moved me maybe like Gabrielle Garcia Marquez who like has mm. left an imprint on my life um just writing wise um but it's again I, there's mentors there's people I look up to but my parents, you know, are, have heroic um, tendencies too. And I just, but that word scares me a little bit because I am, you know, they say like, don't meet your heroes. Like that, it does, I just, I I, I hate to put anyone on a pedestal that feels um, too much of a burden um, for them, maybe. Mm. Not that they would even, maybe even know that I put them on their, that pedestal. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, I don't know. That word scares me a little bit, but um, there are just so many people that I admire and I think have things that make them heroic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually in complete agreement with you about that term. Um, it kind of like, I get, I brace myself a little bit um, because to pedestalize someone like that um, can almost take away their humanity as well. Yeah, exactly. um, so I I completely, um I relate and I, I, and, you know, like you said, you have mentors, you have people who you do admire and, you know, um, sometimes I think it's also really beautiful to see ourselves as heroes, you know, <laughs> like, yeah,
2: no, absolutely. And <laughs> I mean, that's, Hey, you go to therapy, you know, that'll be like ingrained in you only like, what do you love about yourself? What?
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Like,
2: uh, <laughs> I should answer, um, but no, that's absolutely, absolutely true. You should, there should always be a part of you that admires um or there should always be something about you that you admire you know and if you're if that's something that you're lacking I think that's a great thing to work on I mean
1: yeah no for sure and or to find um that you were whole this whole time also you yeah. know what I mean like I think yeah. all of that is so that path of discovery is heroic in, in my opinion
2: Oh, yeah. Storytelling, reflection, all of it is heroic.
1: Mm, Yeah, I mean, I've often talked about how my own healing journey started with writing about, you know, my life and Mm -hmm. uncovering so much. So, yeah, storytelling for many um, is part of that that journey as well, to of self-discovery, self-reflection. It's like putting, you know, brain to paper or (laughs) to computer or whatever to that gift of expression can be yeah. so transformative when it's like, once it's like out there, because then people get to receive it. And then there's so much, so much that can happen. Yeah.
2: And I mean, a lot of the times I feel like I don't even know how I'm feeling until it's like on paper.
1: Yes. Oh, I completely 110% <laughs> relate to that so much. It's like, wow. I mean, I've, I i do not know about you, but sometimes like going back and reading your stuff, you're like, whoa, like that. Came I know. Out. <laughs> Am I okay? <laughs> No. <laughs> like, who am i yeah it's 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 very surreal but also really cool um yeah wonderful well, thank you for for sharing that because yeah i do think it's a for some people i think for some people they like know right away but others it can be a complicated question um and i'm totally with you on that um and i think it's a really cool thing to it, every every all these questions like give us information about like where we're at and you know what is important to us and i think that's really important yes well thank you so much for being a guest on the bunmi chronicles with me and accepting my invitation so excited for folks to read more um about what you do and listen more and check out foreign bodies Um, all the links that you know relevant links we talked about will be um in the the show notes and um even fizz's book talk hopefully will be there too and yeah (laughs) um thank you so much and uh yeah I appreciate you
2: yeah thank you so much for having me this was so fun yay
0: <laughs> awesome well that is a wrap for today and I want to say thank you so much for listening to my guest and for this episode so be sure to check out previous episodes that you might have missed and. To stay tuned, check out my Instagram at Bunme, which is B A N H M I underscore Chronicles, or you can just type into my Facebook page at the Bunme Chronicles, or on Twitter at M I underscore Chronicles. And also, before, before you leave, uh, make sure that you send a five star review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to uh, check out for any new episodes thank you so much and again have a wonderful day